I think it's an exciting time to be in business, but it's also a very challenging time. But the challenge makes you, it keeps you engaged, it keeps you healthy, it keeps you functioning, it keeps your brain thinking. Welcome to Friends of Build Magazine. I'm your host, Ted Bainbridge. I've been traveling the world and working in publications for 30 years. In 2016, we launched our first issue of Build Magazine, a publication dedicated to high-end home construction, renovation, and the innovative experts that make this possible. This podcast was created to have some fun and explore those who have taken on the challenge of building luxury homes in demanding locations. From navigating logistics and construction to excavating the earth, we want to learn more about these people and how their projects became cover-worthy. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. We're going to do a year in review. Welcome to another episode of Friends Build Magazine. I'm Ted Bainbridge, and I'm here with my good buddy, Wynn Penniston from Naples. Wynn is a marketing guru, but we're going to flip the tables, and he's going to ask me a bunch of questions because I want to give you some insight on what happened in 2023, which is pretty great. So, Wynn, you're in control of this one, brother. So so good to see you, Ted, and I hope that 23 was a great year for you. I look forward to uh, hearing about what your observations were, you know, maybe, maybe there's a way to first ask you, you know, I know, I know you've grown leaps and bounds as a brand and in a lot of different ways in a lot of different markets, but what was, you know, coming into this year, what was, what was going to be special for 23 and were you able to achieve it? And if not, why not? And give me a little bit on that. So, 23 was an interesting year. We had great expectations, and in some areas we fell short, in other areas we exceeded. So falling short is nothing more than a process, and I'm a firm believer, you and I have talked about this at length. If you're not trying enough, you're not failing enough. And so many people, when I talk to them, I learn when I talk to people about failure is that by taking chances, you're not going to hit it out of the park. Every stock you buy is not going to be a winner, even though when you put your money down to buy that stock or to buy that piece of property, you think it's going to be a home run or, or you wouldn't do it. So we don't have the perfect solution for everything. By taking chances, sometimes we won, sometimes we lost. When I look back on the year, it was a magnificent year. We ended creating a video series for that'll come out on YouTube in the first quarter of this year because our clients have amazing homes and we just want to share them with the people that watch it. We, we've gotten great comments back on our podcast on the fact that we're able to, to get these people to enlighten our listeners as to what success looks like because it's different for everybody. So it was a very rewarding year and we are extremely excited about what's going to transpire in 2024. The economy also in 23 was a little bit turbulent. If I had one caution, it is we don't seem to have much faith or trust in the system and that's causing us to feel like we're building not and I'm using a metaphor not building homes on quicksand, but the foundation of our lives seems to be a little bit topsy-turvy. People get angry. If you watch the news, 
we're all angry. And yet when you get out and talk to people all across the country, you know, different reach of the, of the country, we're all Americans. We're all in this. We all love our country. Have you ever heard of a, of a, it's a great, it's a great series. His last name is Roz. It's called How I Built This. So anyway, it's, okay. I mean, so it's like CEO stories as interviewed by Roz. And it's, and, you know, there's one about Away, the luggage company. There's one about Hinge, the dating app. There's one about Starbucks. And they all have, they all, the, the story arc is, is not always similar but whatever you least expect to happen to whatever you're trying to build happens. And then the question is, what do you do in the, in the face of adversity? How do you, how do you handle adversity? And I'm not saying that you've, you know, as a, as a CEO and publisher of build magazine, I'm not saying that you faced any real significant adversity, but it's kind of just what you do with it when it comes along, where was your growth? Like for the, for the, for the year, like how did you overcome Oh shucks! We don't have any growth in this area. How do we create it? Any any anecdotal info on that? Yeah. So our growth came with our people, and it's interesting because we hired some people in key positions, and one of them didn't work out. Well, that was a painful situation, and it's always hard to let people go. And yet, once I made the decision, and I and I and it lasted too long. I should have done it earlier. But once I made the decision, it was like a weight off my shoulder. And and everybody that I've talked to, they always go, "You're never going to regret making the decision, but prolonging it, you look at yourself and go, why didn't I do this six months earlier?' Because inevitably, you know exactly. Okay, it's time." But we don't want to recognize maybe it's the failure in ourselves. Mm -hmm. But truly, if I had one thing and this was growth for me and it was growth out of a potential negative that I'm a firm believer. I was listening to Kid Rock. I listened to a podcast with Kid Rock and John Daly. And that was a funny, funny podcast. Two guys who have obviously done well, but dysfunction, they've had their fair share of failure. When it was so funny to listen to these guys, and Tucker Carlson was on there after Fox, and just listening to them, and Kid Rock is a very, very smart individual, uh -huh. and he has his opinions, but he gives people space on their opinions, and his whole attitude was... I'm always going to find some positive in negatives. Uh -huh. And a lot of people I see that get bogged down in, oh, I made a bad decision, and they beat themselves up, and, and they wallow in it, and almost they create drama around it instead of recognizing this is part of the journey. Yep. And, and finding, so I made a bad decision with, with that hire, made a decision to get rid of it. I feel free. I feel way better about it. And that's yeah. that was a huge growth. Yeah, it's it reminds me of Matthew McConaughey's Green Lights, right? Where what's negative turns into a positive if you let it do so. Yeah. Anyway, shifting gears from that. It, um, it's, hold on, yeah. hold on. You can't shift away from Matthew McConaughey. He is the one of the center points of our our friendship. Yeah. His first line in any movie, and he wasn't expected. You know, I think I might have told you this, he, and it's and it's not meant to be weird, but he, you know, Link, Richard Linklater, who did uh, Dazed and Confused, basically said, "Look, 
you don't have any lines in this movie, but I like you. You're funny. You're from Texas. You're cool. I'm going to give you a shot here. You drive up to that pretty girl in front of at the end of the street in this car, and you you do whatever you're going to do to see if you can get her on a date at some point in the near future. And his very first line of any sort was, "All right, all right, all right." And then he went, and, and then other people said, and then all of, a, all of a sudden he's into so many great things, and he calls it green lights. It's something that you don't expect to happen, but if you can accept it and receive it, it's a huge opportunity that you can take advantage of, and now other people see it, and then if they see it, now they expect it all the time, and they want more of it. So congrats on a good year and, and, and the growth of the Build brand, and you know, it sounds like you've done a good job sort of managing your own negative stuff into into re- really positive stuff. Well, here's another here's another thing that I think a lot of people don't realize is it's hard to build a company. It it's in theory it seems like okay, you hire you hire Win and you say okay, Win, I want you to go out and do this yeah. and you leave Win alone because you don't want to micromanage Win because Win comes with a lot of talents. But if you don't give direction to people, right. It it causes failure and it blows up in your face. And then you get people in the background who want to micromanage you and and they want to look over your shoulder on every decision you make. So then you, you want to bring people into the fold, make them feel part of the, the whole process. Yeah. Well, that creates its own set of challenges. Right. And people go, oh, I, I remember when we moved to Bend, Oregon from Vancouver, Canada, I met a bunch of people that were with Microsoft. I can't count on my hands and my toes the number of people that would go up to these these folks and go, oh, you're with Microsoft. You've been there 20 years. You're so lucky you got in early. Now, this was 25 years ago, so 20 years would have been when Microsoft kind of started. And And I remember thinking to myself, it's one thing to get a job and be lucky to get a job with a company in their early stages, whether it's Apple, Microsoft, Nike, whoever it is, you have to keep that job. And Bill Gates is not an easy guy to work for. Right, right. You know, both both Seattle-based CEOs are very tough to work for. But I guess Andy Jassy is doing a great job with, you know, he came out of Amazon Web Services. So I think Bezos has sort of released it. But I mean, it used to be a grind all by all reports, if you worked if you worked in, a, in anywhere near senior management, anywhere near Gates or Bezos, it was just like you're working 15 hour days, and if you make one bad decision, you could get you could you could really be in trouble. And you look at you look at what Jeff Bezos has done, and now he seems to he seems to have a formula. People don't understand. It takes a while. A formula does not happen overnight. So Bezos, when he started as a book company, I mean, how bizarre is that? Right. And now look what he's built. Right. Who, st- who starts a book a book company in 1997? Right. It's like Barnes and Nobles has gone out. Yeah. You know, Blockbuster has gone out, and you're starting what? Yeah. So it's interesting. He saw something. Yeah. What a great idea. So architecturally or construction wise, or let's let's kind of look at the world through the lens of the client of which I've been of yours in the in the past. What was the stuff that you thought was the most innovative that you were seeing various 
advertising and partner clients on the social side, on the architecture side, any, any story that you think is interesting, any market in which you think is interesting, you know, but, but tell me about like cool architecture and kind of riff on that for a little bit. So architecture, one thing we're coming to, literally we move into our new house in within 30 days. It'll be February 2nd. Just seeing when it starts out, and I had a meeting this morning with our interior designer, and we were doing the finishing touches on on furniture and pillow shams and just things that go to warm, put some warmth into the home. And our process with our team has been flawless. It's been easy. It's taken 20 months, a little bit longer than we thought, but the end product is magnificent. And the costs have gone up significantly over the two years that we've been building this. So we think we're going into it, going to spend X. We're totally comfortable with that. We end up spending 2X. Right. So now you start getting a little bit uncomfortable. You see the house as it's almost finished and you go, well, no kidding. It's 2X. Look at the finishings that you've got into this. Look at the electronics that you've got into this. Technology has made it so that, now, all of a sudden, there is such a vast degree. When you first start out the project, it is a line item on the balance sheet. Right. So here's your spreadsheet of all your costs, and it comes out to X number of dollars, and all you're focusing in on the is on the dollars. And it's like, how did the cost get 2X? Like, this is out of control. We got to pair some things back, and then you add some things in. And then when you start to see the... The stone go in. You start to see the cabinetry go in. You start to see the appliances. Now it's starting to become a home. You look at the wine wall that we've created. You see the lighting fixtures. And our designer said if you hadn't have gone with, with Hammerton, which is an incredible brand, beautiful stuff, you could have saved 60% on your lighting. Well, the difference is this is all hand-blown glass so that when your friends walk in, it's not, oh, yeah, that's nice. They're like, holy cow, uh-huh. this is a beautiful fixture. Like, it's just magnificent. So now, instead of a line item, while it's painful to spend that money, you look at it and you go, this is magnificent. The homes that we're seeing, I was in a, I was in a home in Palm Beach, 19,000 square feet, and... It's on the Atlantic, right downtown, three and a half acres. And the crazy stuff, just the art alone was enough to, you know, you can buy a boat for. I mean, but it it just made the whole feeling, the whole vibe. The finishings, I guess the finishings are what make up any home, whether it be today or 50 years ago. Yeah. I was talking to a marketing consulting client that I've been working with for 22 years since I had a branding agency in New York. And I said, you know, I'm really excited about your new project and like, how have you been? And like, like what's the kind of stuff that you're building and what's this project about? And, and anyway, he gave me an anecdotal story that's similar to one, the one that you just gave about a, you know, it's a 19,000 square foot house, probably worth $14 $14 million, but it's in you know Bloomfield Hills, Michigan, outside of Detroit. And he just said, the problem is it took me two years to do the plans and nine years, nine years to build the house and all the technology that I put into the house. It's, it's challenging to get it serviced when anything goes wrong. So it's just one of those things where 
you know, 10, 10, 11 years ago, you would have thought that control four was the coolest thing on, you know, on since sliced bread. And now it's kind of like, who do you get to, who do you get to cover it? How do you, who do you get to like sort of take care of it when it needs, you know, to be reset or something? So I don't know. It's just, it was just interesting um, that technology in home building is always important. And it's also always important to think about the realities of the house over time as it re- as it relates to technology, because so much is behind the walls that you almost have to really think it about getting it right the first time. So to your point about a line item that turns out to make the difference in the house can totally re- relate. Then the question is, when does it run out of gas where you now you need to either upgrade it in some way or or service it in some way, which can be a pain. Okay, so I didn't even think of that part. Well, let me let me just you yeah. you I didn't even think of it from that standpoint. So the plumber is in our house, and we have two crazy toilets, and they're five grand a piece. They're they do everything. They they're a bidet. They're a toilet. There's a, a blow drying option. There's yeah. blue light option. And, and I looked at the the plumber. Yeah, and I'm laughing at him because there's a little keypad on the wall beside the toilet so that you can hit these buttons that'll allow you to flush the toilet, do whatever you want. And I look at him and I go, how complicated is just to have that manual lever that just flushes and unflushes, (laughs) you know, fills the tank. That's it. Right. And I'm thinking of your buddy in Bloomfield Hills, which is a beautiful area of Detroit. It's spectacular. But I look at him, I go, the technology put in 10 years ago is now obsolete. Correct. Correct. So are those toilets going to be obsolete? Who knows, right? Yeah. Architecture. So, so well, I mean, well, you can do architecture or you can talk about the markets that you cover and like who's doing the, who's doing the best creative design work in which market and why. And it's all geographically disparate, right? What you're going to do in... Bozeman is not what you're going to do in Naples and same with Bend and Scottsdale, whatever. But where are you seeing cool stuff that almost only exists because of where it is? To your point, each area of the market of the country is different and they have different levels of finishing and craftsmanship. So if one of the, one of the most exciting is Park City. Mm-hmm. Because they finished the expansion of the airport, for the most part, a couple of years ago. And you can be from the airport in Salt Lake to the ski hill in less than an hour, 45 minutes. Uh-huh. Straight up the interstate. So the, the, the proximity to get anywhere in the world is right in your doorstep. There are so many clients that I've got in Florida that have a place in Park City. Because whether you're in Palm Beach, Naples, Miami... You can go on a direct flight to Salt Lake, and it makes it a four-hour journey instead of if you're going into, you know, Bozeman, you have to take two flights. Right. Jackson, you have to take two flights. Practically lose So, it day. just yeah. prolongs how long it takes you to get to your destination. The, the, the joke about uh, Jackson in Florida is that billionaires are replacing millionaires, so they're, fly, they're flying private there from, so fr- from Vero Beach or from, you know, so if, if they're at that elite level where they're, you know, building a $10 million house in, in, in Jackson or wherever, you know, they, they might be flying private. Yeah, such a valid point that because it is the case. I was talking to our publisher from Jackson about an hour ago, and 
Jackson is just, if people haven't been there, it's one of those unique, special places. Not that all our places aren't cool, but Jackson really is a notch above. You know, right down to all the antlers at the square, the four corners of the square. It's just a unbelievable place. And you've got Yellowstone right uh, right in your back door. Yeah. Is there is there is there like a, a a new player that you've seen, and it doesn't matter which market it is that you serve, but is there anybody that's doing something that's like you like you haven't seen anywhere else? It could be an architect, it could be an interior designer, it could be somebody probably on the creative side because it's so unique and they're replicating it frequently because they've become popular. Is there anything in that vein? What a good question. Our clients are tested constantly by their clients. So the homeowner is, because they've got access to just, you know, your point about the billionaires, they just get on their own plane. They don't fly commercial anyway, just like you and I fly commercial. We don't right. every once in a while, maybe private. Right. No. And, and for those who haven't flown private, if you ever get a chance, it really does spoil you, but it's not a regular occurrence. That's for sure. Right. So, so every, when every place you you get you get excited to see what's going on, like this nineteen thousand square foot house, or or I was in a uh, spec home in Naples when I was there last month, and this guy built a fourteen fifteen million dollar house, and just the level of detail and and the creativity and Naples is more of a colonial sense of being whereas in the mountains it's it's not it's more contemporary where i remember moving from toronto to to bend i grew up in in traditional homes where they'd have small rooms and then i look at these floor plans and i'd see a 5000 square foot house with three bedrooms and i go three bedrooms you should have eight well no because all the rooms are big and it gives you a completely different vibe because also, everything is windows. I will say window technology is, there's two things that really stand out. One is the amount of toys that people are putting into their houses. Since COVID, people are spending more time, call it nesting, call it whatever you like. They were downsizing the size of homes. COVID hit and they go, you know what? We can't go anywhere. We might as well make it a place for all our kids and our grandkids to come. So they started building these 10, 20,000 square foot homes. And they, the theater rooms are off the charts now. The golf simulators. I went into a house. There's a really cool house here in Scottsdale in Paradise Valley where in the guy's basement is a shooting range. Cool. And he's got rubber tires, all these little bits of chopped up tires. And he's got, it's 100 yards long in his basement. And he takes his guns out and he shoots targets. And the bullets go into these rubber tires. Wow. And and then at the other end of the basement, it's called the Shark Tank House because he's got a shark in a pool. And it's all plexiglass so you can see it. It's obviously a huge it's it's like you're going to the uh, the aquarium, wow. and that's what this guy built thirty three thousand square foot house. Unbelievable, <laughs> Just, unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, you've got to put those two people t- together and maybe shoot the shark. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that that's the goal. <laughs> I just don't think that's the goal. 
uh, well, you've got all that. You've got all those ripped up tires to protect everything, and you've got all that plexi to get through. So I think I think they'll stay separated. Oh, and, and then I forget. There's he's also got a goat cart track. I just forgot about this that goes underneath the pool, and he's got goat carts. Wow! And this is this is in Paradise Valley. This is I. It's a crazy house. I mean, it's a spectacular house, and the guy who built it, unbelievable builder. Yeah. Unbelievable builder. I walked that. I walked that. You know, I'm in Naples, so we see crazy stuff here. But I, I did walk. I think I told you that that most expensive house in in Las Vegas, and it was, it was, it was crazy. It made no sense, but but the view sheds were fantastic, and and the quality of the architecture was great. And it, you know, and and just the 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 level of building on that kind of a lot on a craggy mountainside. It's a little harrowing to think about investing that much in something but it's it's uh it's it's really where was, really, where was this that was the, that was in um in henderson oh yeah out, outside of uh no outside of las vegas it was 25 it was 25 million bef- like at the beginning of COVID, and i think it went i think it finally sold for 30 or something like that but in 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 that in that market it's uh it's unusual you don't, you know. That I bet I was. I went through that house. Yeah, and the entertainment for that house was incredible. Pool table, bar, secondary bar, upper upper master pool, lower. I mean, it was ridiculous. It was. I mean, it's and a view from everywhere. It was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Any other any other monsters that you've seen? Not that it's always about you know the biggest or the best location, but. They they can I mean they have the wow factor sometimes where you just can't forget about it you know did you see anything else in your travels throughout the country in 2023? So, so we've got a we've got a cover house in Scottsdale which will go to press next week and it is seventy thousand square feet and it is some some houses are big for the sake of being big. Right. But this architect, Druitworks, did a phenomenal job. The builder, Desert Star, one of the best builders we've got in Scottsdale. The the teamwork that went into this house was magnificent. And it made it feel like you weren't in a huge house. It wasn't gratuitous. It was just Yeah, it wasn't gratuitous. Right. No. Even even though it was seventy thousand square feet, which is a monster, that to me feels like a shopping mall. Right, but it was it was so well done, and and that's the key is not to rush things, and I don't mean take ten years like your buddy in Michigan, right? But to just kind of do it appropriately and keep track of what your vision and as your and your goal is, that is a pretty magnificent house. So can can not to not to create lists of things, but. Can can you just run down for your own audience as well as my edification, which markets you're serving right now as Build Magazine and what your growth plans are for 2024? So we're in we're in 15 markets right now, and in 2024 I want to add another five or six, get to about 20. Uh, we just started in Dallas, so we're doing Dallas and Fort Worth. We'll add Austin and Houston. Uh-huh. And then we're adding some more markets in Florida. Florida is blowing up out of all the states in the country. And I was in L.A. last week. Yeah. And it's just a tragedy to see such a magnificent state and just see the everything you see on, on TV about the homeless. 
it's there. And yeah. it's a spectacular city. It is. Uh, went to Malibu. Malibu is beautiful. But Florida is exploding. I don't care where I go in the state. And the next place we go to in Florida will probably be the Destin area. Yeah. And I'm told that I'm told that Jacksonville is just going crazy. It's kind of the financial hub. Yeah, all that whole upper panhandle, it it, it is. And then you do you have anything in North Carolina yet? No. No. No, it's it's on the list. I want to do I want to do South Carolina, I want to do Charleston, Hilton Head, Savannah, combine those two. Right. For North Carolina, the ones that I'm hearing about is uh Raleigh. Right. And Definitely Charlotte. Oh, for sure. Lake Norman. For sure. Yep. Yeah. Lake Norman. Yep. And and then I love I love a section that you could probably fuse bits and pieces of in, into, uh, which is like Cashers, Highlands. I don't know if you've been to those towns. They're 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 gorgeous, but they're smaller, so they don't have yeah. the, they don't have the amount of trade infrastructure that would make it kind of economically feasible, viable. But I do know a number of architects. From, from Naples that have expanded by way of where their clients move, you know, so, yes. so, you know, Matt in Naples, you know, he's in, he's, he's in two different locations, three different locations in the Carolinas, Aspen now. Our, our challenge with Aspen is it's so remote. It's small. It's very affluent, yeah. but it's so remote. They, they put a building moratorium on, yeah. and I think it's been about a year now yeah. where they can't. You got nowhere to go. You're up against a preserve. You're up against National Park. So I would love to meet Matt and go have a beer with him. Yeah. Uh, he became a client at MHK this year. I've seen his office in Charleston. Super cute. Yeah. The Hill Country in the Carolinas, like Asheville, yeah, and maybe that's where Cashers is. I don't know where it's closer, where it is. but I mean, there's there's a world apart, and we're not going to get into politics. But there's a world apart between a small liberal college town in North Carolina and sort of a destination for destination for the power of Atlanta and Florida okay. as a halfback location between the Midwest or Northeast. And Florida, so 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 they call, we call them halfbackers, where they meet kind of in the in the mountains because Florida is just so brutal in the summertime that you yeah. drive, you don't have to get on a plane, you don't even have you can you just get on you just drive twelve hours nine nine hours, and you can be in the Blue Ridge Mountains and the Smoky Mountains and and there's beautiful architecture there. It's just not. It's just a little further off the beaten path if you're you know looking to grow a grow a magazine to twenty you know different locations it wouldn't be first on your list but it's it's interesting but only if you could build it into sort of that sort of western north carolina south of charlotte kind of environs where you where you sort of include it without without making it all about that i'll tell you one of the areas that most intrigues me is is and i've been there a lot nashville yes yeah love nashville yeah and yeah what's the what's the really tony area franklin Franklin. Yeah. Yeah. I just think Nashville, the vibe, the music, the whole yeah. uh, energy of it. And it's in Tennessee. Tennessee is very business friendly. Yeah. Uh, we've got an inquiry from a gal in uh, just outside of D.C. Yeah. Chesapeake, Chesapeake Bay area. Yeah. Another super affluent area. So, yeah, we keep uh, we're not going to go into the northeast this year. No. I like the I like the south. Yeah. 
And there's some synergy down there. Absolutely. Let me know when you go to Austin. I'll get you in touch with my brother who lives there in, in Lakeway. And he knows a lot of people. He's been there for, you know, 10, 15 years. So. Yeah, that'd be great. From from San, he he got out of San Francisco a while back, and he and he's become a pretty good player in Austin. So so any what are your what are your thoughts on on I mean think I think you kind of covered it with the next five books to get to twenty. How would you how would you propose kind of wrapping up this 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 conversation and and what's on your mind beyond how many books about the growth of Build Magazine. Well, I'm just I'm I'm very optimistic about the future. I I get a sense that the craziness that we see politically is starting to calm down only because you can't sustain, you know, the common sense has got to level out the whole country. And like I said, if you just watch the news, you get frustrated and then you go out and actually start talking to people. Well, that's not how we live or how we operate. So I think that that is going to calm down. Right. And as far as the building industry with the with the high end, I just think that they they have the wherewithal, they have the availability to create whatever they want. And I just think it's I think it's an exciting time to be in business, but it's also a very challenging time. But the challenge makes you. It keeps you engaged. It keeps you healthy. It keeps you functioning. It keeps your brain thinking. Yeah. You know, when I talk to people like you, I always get intrigued at your perspective or some of your creative ideas. And I also become a little bit more resolute in saying, no, we've done that before. And you go, it's not going to work. And so you kind of put it on a short leash because you can never say, you know, things don't change because they do. And I think... I'm also excited about about just change in general. Um, yeah. The some of the rising stars that I see, some of the 35 or 40 year old contractors that are out there, that they want to be at the top of their game and they want to replace some of the old guard. I love that, and I love their forward thinking. Absolutely, and you know, certain markets that we've discussed and that you serve. You know, trade almost in lockstep with the stock market, and so that that that's not interesting to it someone who's you know a tradesman. That's but it might end up being at some point, even though they might not be thinking about it, because their clients are going to be much more inclined to build if they just generated a twenty eight percent return. So like the S and P this year or last yep. last year twenty three was was you know and. Magnificent Seven, right? You had seven stocks that just about everybody owns. That if you weren't in them, you kind of fell behind twenty eight percent. So of the twenty eight percent on the S and P, more yep. than twenty percent of it was the Magnificent Seven, which are Microsoft. Game, you know, they, that, yeah, you know who they are. And, and Apple, Nvidia, Costco, Apple, Netflix, yeah. and, and and so you know, I always look at markets in in Florida and in New York and I've always noted in New York I mean you just it's it's plain to see you know young wall street doing doing this that and the other because they had a good year but now a lot of those people want to come south demographically it makes sense economically it makes sense politically they're getting tired of the environment uh for whatever reason in the northeast and uh you know one way or the other and um Coming, coming down and creating these kind of 
booms of growth, even though you wouldn't think of it, given how bearish we were in the beginning of 2023. We, like, it was like 22 and 22 was so bad that you thought, uh-oh, 23 is really going to not be good. And then like these titans put us all on their back and carried us 30% higher. And I don't know that that's going to persist in 2024 because we're probably not going to get any interest rate reductions until call it June. But when when that happens and, and things normalize and stabilize, I think you'll see the next waves. We might be in a little mini hiatus in certain parts of Florida at the super high end I'm talking about just because there's yeah. there's not as much reckless enthusiasm for how far we've come and that there's a lot more to it so you, so you you might have cashed in something at the to, at the end of 23 and if you're holding it you probably realistically know that you're going to go lower before you go higher. But when you're in a stock like Apple, you can't trade it. You just got to own it and then just make yeah. it part of the portfolio the way you would a house in Naples or Scottsdale. So it's interesting. I, I, when I was in college, 1987, which makes me old, I get it. But I remember vividly the stock market crash. It went down 508 points and it was at a, trading at about 2,900. Now it's at 3,700 or 37,000. And so that's 35 years later, and you just go, you, you talk about, well, it can't go much higher. 2,900 was a, was a lot. 100%. 100%. It depends on if you're an investor or a trader or a money manager. There's all sorts of different ways to make money, but it all ends up in real estate is my observation. Like, like yeah. the people that do really, really well on the street convert it into something that's a legacy item for their family. And, you know, that's that's kind of the, you know, the, the things that Build Magazine can represent is the, the most talented tradespeople and designers, architects and builders. For, forget about us you know, lowly real estate professionals. Um, but but the idea is there that that's that's the biggest asset you can leave your family is is something that is a legacy, a, le a legacy, like an, an heirloom of something that is multi-generational so that when you're in the last part of your life, that the grandparents come to you and your children come to you and everybody kind of comes to you and takes care of you, even though you don't want to be a burden on anyone, but you want to build something that's beautiful for them to enjoy into the future, into the next generation. What, one thing that I would love to see, in fact, I listened to a it wasn't a podcast. It was more of a, a video series that Mike Rowe had done. Mm -hmm. And Mike Rowe of Dirty Dobbs and uh, the voice behind Deadliest Catch. And it caused me to actually try and contact Mike Rowe. And the email address I had from this series was no longer in existence, but I'm still pursuing it. Is getting more people to understand that trades are a great way to live a life, to have a career. It is, especially if you're dealing at this tier of people, you'll never know what a recession is. You'll never have a bad time because those people, even in bad times, they've always got money and now they think that they can get better deals on real estate and they've got the liquidity to be able to pull that off. And I would love to see more master craftsmen in the trade. Uh, there's a guy in Canada his name's uh, David Chilton, wrote a book called The Millionaire Next Door. Right. And it's, and it's just talking about 
you can make, I know a bunch of people that are electricians, plumbers, and they've got tons of crews and they started out with nothing. And now they own property and, and they're worth a fortune. Yeah. But it's not necessarily sexy, but it's a great living. Right. Yeah. And it, it'll be interesting to see if, what's your biggest prognosis from within within something that you have an edge intellectually about, which is the building industry for 20, 2024. Yeah, it's, I go back to those younger builders, and I'm thinking of, of one that I've gotten to know so well, and, and I bring him up, so I'm not going to mention his name, but what they do is they're all about focusing in on the systems to make their businesses run smoother. So the technology has allowed them to use software to create an easier pathway of communication. I go back to building our house. When we built our last house, it was communication was just picking up the phone and, and talking to the builder. Now I get video updates. I get spreadsheets updates every week. They're giving me, so even though I'm all over the country or all over the world, I kind of feel like I'm in touch with with. Uh, where the project is at. And I think the communication touch points with people, that would be something that I think every business, whether it be like you mentioned about Netflix, how smart are those dudes, whoever did Netflix, and how many challenges would they have gone through? You look at the, you buy tickets to a concert or a football game, Ticketmaster, SeatGeek, whoever it is, the seamless communication, that whole onboarding process, that is, I think, an important focal point. I know that from our company standpoint, we can do an absolute better job of communicating with our clients. That's one of the things that we've been working with our team for 2024 in, uh, in implementing. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Well, I'm sure all your client partners are excited to see this this interview to get to know you a little bit better as the publisher and CEO of Build Magazine. But it's been a pleasure to spend a bit of time with you. And unless you have any parting thoughts for your audience. No, I appreciate you. I appreciate you taking control. Yeah, absolutely. It's been great to be with you as it always is. And uh, I look forward to seeing more of you in 2024 here in the next couple of months. All right. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate you uh, being the moderator and, and flipping the table on me. That's great. Happy New Year, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And leave us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. You can find everything discussed in this episode and more in our show notes below. I'm Ted Bainbridge, and you've been listening to Friends of Build Magazine Podcasts.